Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. saunterers welcome to another saunter today we're looking at hebrews chapter 9 again only this time the second half and so we're going to start from verse 15 so let us pray and ask the lord to help us as because this is again an incredibly dense piece of scripture with lots of meaning and lots of um implications very significant theologically and but most importantly very significant for us as believers so i'm going to pray lord jesus thank you for this incredible book thank you for your living word thank you that you are speaking today lord let us hear your voice let us encounter you as we look at your word together in jesus name amen good morning emily good morning margaret Nice to see you guys. So we're in the second part. We're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 9 on verse 15. And again, just to summarize, we're talking about Jesus bringing in, ushering in a new covenant, but it's not just new, it's better. So it's kind of profoundly better. It's not just a tiny bit of an improvement like some of the makes of models of cars that come out and they've got different headlights and so on. Good morning, Georgie. Good to see you. Good morning, Ingrid. Um, but it's this is an entirely different, this is entirely new. It's entirely beautiful and so much better. And so verse 15, it says, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant. So Jesus, when he took bread and broke it at the Lord's Supper, he said, this blood is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And so he's therefore the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So let's just stop there a second. The the consciousness of the Jews was very much about themselves as a nation. Good morning, Alison. And their future as a nation. But this now seems to be much more personal the language here he says that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance so something like now we are as those who are called by god are now able to receive this promised eternal inheritance something that is never gonna perish or spoil or fade is kept in heaven for us this incredible promise of god good morning rosemary and so uh, he says, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So even people living under the first covenant with the sacrifice and everything, they they did transgress. They did cross the line. They did break God's commandments in one way or another. And 
but now there is a payment for that debt. And um, each one of us, if we think of sin as a debt, every sin we commit, every wrong thought, every wrong word, every act of hostility, aggression, and so on. Good morning, George, and good morning, Sandeep. It kind of is like an accrual of a debt, isn't it? It's building up and building up and building up every single day, probably, for most of us. And yet this redemption, uh, this death has occurred that redeems us. It's like it pays off our debt. That's incredible, isn't it? So when Jesus died, his blood was the currency that was able to settle our debt of sin that we owed to God. And so a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So interestingly, this death of Jesus goes back in time and forward in time. So actually all those who believe God and followed him faithfully under the old covenant are saved by the blood of Jesus, as are all those who believe in him and trust in him now and subsequent to his death. So that's amazing, isn't it? Verse 16 for where a will is involved, and this is really kind of legal language now, where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. So Jesus is, so this word there for covenant is also the same word we have for will and testament so the last will and testament of this person it's it means covenant and and so this language is the same and the writer to the hebrews is kind of pushing it so that we can understand the the kind of comprehensive nature of this thing that jesus has done and so it, he's written this covenant in his own blood this will that comes into effect because of his death and so if if someone writes a will and they're still alive they can write what they like it's only at the point of their death that the will becomes active and has power and so then it massively affects the people whose names are written in the will and the death of Jesus obviously massively affects you and I good morning Lisa good to see you for a will takes effect only at death, since it's not in force, as long as the one who made it is alive. Verse 18, therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. So um, he's saying that the old covenant, back in the day of Moses, there were other covenants. There was one with Noah, one with Adam, one with Abraham. But the covenant, the idea of covenant is always very much connected with blood. And so um, the, the people who, people, they under, the ancient people understood covenant and basically they would take an animal, cut it in half, they would link arms and walk between the two halves of the animal and make this agreement that if they, either of them broke the covenant, then, then they should be cut in half or literally the death should come to them. So it's always a covenant was something incredibly serious and hugely significant. And so no one entered into it lightly. And so when God says, I'm making a covenant with you, God is trying, is using, not trying, he's using language that we understand, human language that we understand. And he's saying, this is a binding agreement. And actually to make it even more serious and more binding, it's sealed 
with the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. Wow. And so not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood, for when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book, that's the book of the law, and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. Wow, now we understand that. We've just mentioned it, haven't we? The blood of the covenant. We know that. In, in New Testament terms, that's the blood of Jesus, the, the seal of the covenant between God and man, written in his own blood. Good morning, Peter. Excuse me. And so this, this picture of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was all about blood. Everybody growing up in Hebrew culture knew the significance of blood from the Passover to the sacrifices, the Day of Atonement. All these different rituals involved the killing of an animal and doing something with its blood that was pretty messy. But the idea was to underline it all that actually sin is sin leads to death. Sin requires death. It's in my in as and the ancient Hebrews context it it required the death of an animal. In the context of you and I, and actually truthfully, going back to the ancient Hebrews as well, it required the death of the Son of God Himself to make our sins be possible to be forgiven and so here we go so so they sprinkled all the utensils everything associated with the worship in the temp in the tabernacle and in the temple later on all the vessels he sprinkled all the vessels in the same way right let's let's pick up again saying this is the blood of the covenant that god commanded for you verse 20 and in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Good morning, Joan. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's a really, really, really important verse there. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We, it doesn't just go, our sin doesn't just go away after a few years. It doesn't reach a kind of statute of limitations where it's kind of expired and we can't be done for it anymore. Our sin just accumulates. There's only one way our sin can be taken away and forgiven, and that is through the shedding of blood and actually an appropriate sacrifice. So a lamb really was just a holding pattern. It wasn't an appropriate, it wasn't ever going to actually do the job properly. But the sh there would come a lamb whose blood was going to be sufficient to pay the price. And so here we have it now. Um, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It's a really, really important verse in the Bible there. Verse 23, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. Now, I'd like to just think about that in a second. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. 
nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have to would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. Let's just pause there a second. So, right, remember that the temple, the tabernacle, all the bits and pieces, the utensils, the altars, the bowls, the 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 um, censers, and the all these different things, they were shadows. Even the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim over the top of the mercy seat. All of these things were the shadow, we were saying last week, weren't we? They're insubstantial compared to the reality. There's no... We look at the shadow and it's flat and two-dimensional. We look at the real thing, it's three-dimensional, it's animated, it's alive. And we look at the shadows of the Old Testament and whilst they were incredibly powerful images, they're only a shadow of the real deal, which is Jesus and the very actual presence of God. And so as we have all this kind of sprinkling going on, what is it actually, how can this help us today? And I was thinking, do you know what? They sprinkled all the utensils that were just regularly in use in the temple or the tabernacle for the worship of God. And actually, Paul the Apostle talks about our bodies being the temple of the Lord. So you're not you don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, he says in 1 Corinthians. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, I think it is, he says you're being built together as a temple in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. And so the ordinary things that our lives touch become holy because we've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, because we're washed and forgiven and made holy, and somehow our bodies have become temples. So it's like our everyday lives become part of this worship. And I was thinking about it, it's like somehow by the blood of Jesus, the very ordinary things that you and I will conduct ourselves with today whether, whether we're praying or not, whether we're singing songs of worship or not, they become somehow appropriate uh, as an offering of worship to Jesus to, and to God the Father that he is able to enjoy. Uh, and somehow it's become fit because the blood of Jesus has sanctified us made us holy, made us acceptable, and that the worship and the life that comes out of us is now something that God actually really loves, really delights in and loves to hear. He loves to hear our, our worship, but he loves to hear, the, he loves to observe the way we live for him, devoted to him, and he sees that as worship. And just these ordinary utensils of my hands can become like priestly utensils in the worship of God isn't that isn't that amazing doesn't that kind of get you excited to think that as you're I mean just think right let's go let's go really really down to basic let's think about somebody who is a true worshiper of Jesus they love Jesus they've, they've been covered by the they, their sins are washed away by the blood of the lamb they've been sprinkled in his blood and all the rest of it and they're part of this covenant um, community who are the temple of God. And their job is a care worker. 
and so they're looking after the elderly. And in the course of that day, their hands become used for preparing food, wiping away the the face, you know, wiping the saliva and food from an old person's face, maybe taking them to the bathroom, taking care of their personal hygiene, cleaning them up after an accident, all of those things. And the hands that are performing these duties are the hands of a priest who's been washed in the blood of Jesus. And they become utensils of worship. Wow, does that, that not excite you? I mean, to me, that is just incredible. So like the very ordinary things, the hands of a mum or a dad as they take care of their child and um, pick up the baby and nurse the baby and all these things. This is this is um, this is a life of worship. This is the kind of worship that God God delights in that that comes from a heart given over to Him, and our hands and our mouths and our lips, our arms, our legs become you part of that utensil kind of array of utensils that belong to God and are used for His purpose. Wow. And so, um, and together somehow as a community of believers, we become a temple. So that, that where God dwells by his spirit. So we don't, it's not about a physical temple anymore, but it's about worshiping him where we are on this, on the face of the earth, whether we're in a community where we have a big church and we can all come together with thousands and thousands of people and all be part of this symphony of beautiful music and worship and our lives throughout the week and everything or whether that we're in a little small group or whether we're in an illegal church somewhere because the country we live in doesn't permit churches and two or three maybe get together and pray together and in silence or maybe whispered prayers and and yet somehow God is pleased to fill that space with his presence because We've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. I hope you can understand what I'm trying to say here. Because I think this is profound. And the writer to the Hebrews doesn't really develop the idea of uh, so much yet of us being a temple um, ourselves. But the Apostle Paul really does take that one and develop it more. Um, so uh, where are we? So for Christ has entered not into holy places made by hands which are the copies, the shadows, what we were saying, of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So once again, this sense of he's there on our behalf. It's not angels that he helps. We've been there, haven't we? We've considered that. It is you and I who Jesus is now representing before the Father in the very courts of heaven. Good morning, Bethany. And so he's there on our behalf. He's praying for you and me. He's representing you and me. He's cheering us on. Obviously, there's a couple billion others on the face of the earth that he's cheering on as well. But isn't it incredible that this this high priest is there on our behalf in the very presence of God? And then he goes on to say he doesn't have to keep repeatedly doing the same acts of sacrifice because he's done it once and for all but listen to this because this is profound verse 26 for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world but as it is 
he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Wow. So although it was 2000 years ago or so for us now that Jesus appeared and did this, it is still the end of the ages. It's the end of all of the stuff that went before Jesus's death and resurrection brings an end to the old covenant, the end of the ages of the old covenant and ushers in this new covenant, which is the basis of the life to come and the whole of eternity. It will be because Jesus died and rose again. And so as it is, he's appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. These scriptures are so profound they're really worth committing to memory if you if you've got if you can do that kind of thing. Verse twenty seven, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, notice once, not reincarnated a dozen times or whatever. Just as it is appointed for for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So that's when we are face to face with Jesus. And give an account, well, we are, I don't know whether we're going to say a whole lot, but we're there before the judge of all the earth. So it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And that is our hope and our expectation so Jesus has died once in he he's been offered once to bear the sins of many and he will appear a second time this is not negotiable this is not something that Christians can kind of have an opinion about Jesus is coming back this is a foundational belief of Christians around the world this is a foundational doctrine the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will appear a second time not to deal with sin. So there's, he's not going to have to do any more redemptive work. That's all been done. But he's going to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He's going to gather them up to be with himself forever and ever and ever. Wow. What an incredible, incredible hope we have. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that wherever people are listening to this today, you will be speaking into their hearts, Lord. And as we go on to reflect on these things by ourselves and we go on to reflect on your word, Lord, speak to us. But Lord, we want to say thank you so much for the incredible work you've done, Jesus, by giving your life as a ransom for many, giving your life to save us from the consequences of our sin. And to that incredible hope that you're coming back to save those who are eagerly waiting for you. And Lord, I ask that you will make that number many, 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 millions and millions and millions of people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have an amazing day, everyone. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.